Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and I am very, very fortunate, uh, and so are you today, to have the pleasure of meeting and working with Dr. Kathy Groover, who is an internationally recognized speaker and motivational powerhouse. She is an awesome storyteller, and she definitely has some actionable tools that can help you in enhancing your communication skills, all while decreasing stress. And who doesn't need that today? She also has a knack for being able to give you tools that can change your life. Absolutely. Kathy, welcome to the Celestine Show. And thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you for joining us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Well, I wanted to kind of start by asking you, how did you get into speaking? I've watched some of your your um, talks, like on TED Talks, and just you're just incredible. I just love your uh, your motivation and, and how you can really um, kind of get the crowd behind you uh, in terms of, you know, just motivating people. So how did you get, have you, have you always been a speaker from the time you were uh, a kid or? Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I guess I was, I, I was an actor for a very long time. So I stepped on stage for the first time in fifth grade and I swore I would never get off stage. And when I ended up leaving Hollywood after I realized the acting career wasn't going to happen, I thought, oh mm. no, like I dedicated my life to this. Now I'm stepping off the stage but now I'm back on. So I, I, I don't think I've ever left. I'm just now in sort of a different outfit, doing different silly voices, <laughs> different dialects. Uh, but it's been, it's been a lifetime thing. My, my dad had an incredible sense of humor. I inherited that from him. I modeled that behavior knowing that he was like, everybody loved my dad because he was so personable, so friendly, could build rapport and had a great sense of humor. So I got to model that behavior and just had a knack for being on stage. So it looks a little bit different than I dreamt of, but I'm still on. So yeah, it's been a lifetime thing for me. Right. Awesome. Well, I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of times people will set out with grand ideas to do something. Um, they'll write out that bucket list and mm -hmm. they'll put it in a drawer. And <laughs> as I've heard you say, put it away and then look back at it and say, I'll never get to take that trip to Albuquerque. Albuquerque or wherever, you know, I guess. So the question I have for you is, why do you think so many of us are like that? I think there's such a societal influence to have that bucket list. And we tend to make these grand things. So I always ask, and when I'm coaching clients, I do the same thing. What do you want? And sometimes the adventure doesn't have to be a trip around the world. It could be driving a new way to work or trying a new restaurant in town. You know, um, I, I think so much is influenced by the media and, you know, I want to skydive and I, you know, there's these like iconic things that people say they want to do. And I have to question, do you really want to do it? Because <laughs> right. most, most of us could actually probably go someplace next week and go skydiving. So do you really want to do that thing? And then the other question is, do you think you deserve to do that thing? Mm. I've had, I've had people have stuff on their list that is so simple to do. You know, you're wow. in a town where you can take a hot air balloon ride. Why are you not doing that? Do you actually deserve that thing? Uh, you know, mm. time and money is a factor. You can't take that trip around the world right now necessarily, but if we're going to write this stuff down, then make it actionable, make it something that you strive to do. And I make a list on January 1st every year of not only goals, not resolutions. I don't necessarily go with that, but goals and things I want to try. And it's what, March, I've already crossed three things off my list of stuff that I want to try this year. Make them little things that, that you can actually do. Don't make it this 
you know, unattainable. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be on stage with Van Halen. Probably not going to happen, you know, <laughs> a little bit out of my control. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, but you know, probably yeah. out of my control. So, you know, things right. that you actually want that you can, you can reach for. Right. Um, the thing is though, why do you think it's really important to make those items actionable? I think, you know, some people, like you said, they have very simple things and they don't accomplish them. Well, why do you think it's important to actually uh, accomplish the goals while we're in that part of our life that happens to be the dash in the middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we never know what tomorrow brings. It's only about the present. And I lost my mom young. She was 45 when she died. She didn't get, I don't even know if she had a bucket list. She didn't get to do a lot of the things that I and other people have had the opportunity to do. And not to sound like morose, but you never know what the next so moment's going to hold. So mm. what are you waiting for? You're saving the nice china. You're saving the pretty lingerie. You mm. don't want to open that bottle of wine. What are you waiting for? Now, I'm not saying we have to do everything today. It's good to you know, have future plans. But why are we wasting this moment? Whether it's worrying about the future or dwelling on stuff from the past, this present moment's all we have. And I do a lot of studying with Eckhart Tolle and he always tells the joke that he was at a pub in Scotland and on the door it said, free beer tomorrow. <laughs> and people kept showing up saying, I want my free beer. And the guy would say, no, tomorrow. Well, isn't it? <laughs> it's always today. You're never going to get that free beer. So like, mm. let's live in this present moment and make actionable steps. Hey, I want to do a hot air balloon ride. Why don't we do that in June? Here's where we can go. Same thing with affirmations. You can affirm all the stuff in the world, but if you're not actually taking action on it, Right. It's probably not going to magically happen. You have to set wheels in motion in the material world too. Really? You know, that is, that is so good. It reminds me of something I just heard recently. A really good friend of mine um, is getting married again after being divorced for, for 20 years. And she said all the friends were coming to her and saying, why don't you wait? Um, you know, COVID should be over soon. She goes, child, no. She said, I've waited 20 years for this. I am not about to, to wait a minute or a day longer. And uh, such a good point, um, yeah. you know, because as you said, you know, tomorrow is not promised. Um, one of the things too that um, I know I read about you is that you kind of did your uh, trip over to Europe, which was something you said you wanted to do. Tell me how all that came about and what that was like. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's become my story. Uh, so I had the opportunity to finally go out of the country and I really wanted to go to England. That was my dream since I was a child. And I finally made that happen. I went by myself the first time, which was a little scary. And I realized the only way- I can't way... believe you did that. <laughs> well, by the way, hats off. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm the- I've, I eat in restaurants myself. I travel myself and I've had people say, that's so brave. And I'm like, I'm in a restaurant. It's not, I'm not, I'm not battling, <laughs> battling fires in the, in the outback. I'm just, you know, I'm eating. Uh, but I, I, I decided I needed to rent a car to get to the places that I wanted to go. So I drove on the wrong side of the road on the wrong side of the car by myself out of the country, which was a little scary. I was very nervous about that. I actually yeah. asked my, my post office, my, my postal delivery guy, if I could sit in his truck because, you know, they sit on the wrong side, the wrong side of the car. And he's like, we're right. going to be fine. So it was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I went to all the places I wanted to go. Uh, Stonehenge, Woodhenge, Avebury, Bath, Stanton Drew. But my goal was to get to Glastonbury, which was thought to be ancient Avalon. And there's this hill there with this tower on it called the Tor. And my plan was to climb the Tor at sunset, 
stand there and hope to get sucked into the book Mists of Avalon. <laughs> I wanted to go back to King <laughs> Arthur days. I was on a, I was basically on a spiritual quest and I was completely misguided in what I was doing. And as I was leaving my final location and trying to get to my bed and breakfast and then get to the tour, a truck ran me off the road and I blew my tire. Mm. And he didn't stop and nobody stopped. And I realized I was stuck there. And I'm an only child. So if my plans get interrupted, this is massively upsetting to me, right? So I was mm. pitching, pitching my only child fit and just, why is this happening to me? This is the worst day of my life. This is my vacation. Everything's ruined, which is ridiculous because I went from like this highest high of seeing all this amazing stuff to this really low of something got screwed up. Wow. called the triple a guy called the bed and breakfast and i started to complain to the woman at the bed and breakfast and she asked me if i was looking at something pretty i'm like what mm. no i'm sitting on the side of the road really irritated and she said well you'll sit you'll wait you'll look at something pretty you'll get here when you get here and she hung up on me <laughs> mm. which did not help my mood did not help and i literally did the math of could i call california to complain i didn't have it in my budget to spend five dollars a minute on my global cell phone and so finally i thought i had the sense to listen to her and i turned away from the road and there was this amazing field behind me and the sun was going down and the light was hitting the the hills and the grass and it was that what photographers call god light where everything sort of glows with this wow. this <laughs> vibrancy and I took a deep breath and I could smell that sweet grass and I watched the cows out there and the wind would shift and I could hear them. And I just watched the sun go down over this hill and it was the most beautiful thing. And the guy came and changed the tire and, you know, I got on my way. I missed the sunset that night, had a whole nother day to see it. So it wasn't a total tragedy, right. but I, I realized my spiritual quest had nothing to do with me climbing a hill and putting my arms up in the air. It had to do with this woman basically telling me to sit there and shut up and be present. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing you were present actually in the moment. And that's something that so many people, I think, struggle with. You know, we think about, uh, you know, well, if I could have done this or that, you know, if if only this was this way or or that way. But um, I I completely get what you're saying. I know um, for many years I, I was teaching and taught at several different universities. And um, one day I, I started the semester and uh, often, you know, I sometimes would just sit in the classroom as people would come in and they didn't necessarily know I was the teacher <laughs> and, you know, just kind of listen and, and hear different things. But anyway, I mm-hmm. got up to speak that day and there was a young lady in the class who was from Guyana in South America. And that happens to be where my dad is from. She has this, you know, Guyanese accent. And so um, she, (laughs) she raised her hand and I called on her and she goes, Dr. Stein, (laughs) you know, and she's like, "Um, I wanted to know. I said, oh, it's not Dr. Stein. She goes, speak those things that that be not as though they were. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, so anyway, we end up talking at the class, found out that she grew up one block away from where my father grew up. Wow. And then we started talking and um, I realized, and so the whole semester she called me Dr. Stein <laughs> and I was like, you know, it, it wasn't something I was really thinking about, but then I decided to actually go back to school to get my PhD in mm-hmm. strategic communication. And so uh, it was a five-year trek. And when you were talking about Europe, I ended up going, it was something that 
always said I wanted to do, but you only have that opportunity sometimes once in a lifetime. And I think, wow, just with where we are today with COVID, what if in 2016, I didn't go? Yeah. You know, so I had that opportunity to go study at Oxford and study over in Europe. I went to eight countries that summer. (laughs) And so I loved it. And, you know, unfortunately, I had a few friends with me, but it was such an adventure. And so that brings me to my next question. Um, I mean, it was that one little thing that triggered and motivated me. But how do you go about motivating people? Are there steps that really you know, people should be thinking about or should take as they think about uh, the goals that they set for themselves in life? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. You know, everybody's motivated differently. Fear is a very strong motivator. Unfortunately, fear tends to bring reactivity as opposed to responsiveness. Uh, We want first responders, right? Not first reactors. So, (laughs) you know, really knowing what you really want and then distilling that down into the why. And I'll, and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, I did a talk on my stress reduction stuff and I, I talk about affirmations. A woman came up to me afterwards. She was a psychologist. She said, look, I have a client who's affirming things that can never happen. What do you say to that person? And I said, well, give me an example because I wasn't sure what she meant. This guy was affirming every day that he won the lottery. And I said, okay, let me guess. He's, he's never bought a ticket. She goes, no, he's never bought a ticket. Well, he's obviously not going to win the lottery. And I said, okay, well, right. let, me, let me ask you this. I said, why does he want to win the lottery? She said, well, he wants a lot of money. I said, why does he want a lot of money? She said, well, he's actually incarcerated. He wants to start a foundation for young black youth so they don't follow the same path as him. And I said, oh, well, that's problem solved. He doesn't want to win the lottery. She goes, yes, he does. I said, no, he wants to help people. Mm. And the only way he thinks he can do that is to start a foundation, which the only way he could do that is to get a lot of money. And the only way he could do that is to win the lottery. It had nothing to do with the lottery. It had to do with him helping kids. Mm-hmm. What else can he do? Can he start a blog? Can he do you know, some sort of program? What, how can you reach that goal? So asking those whys of why you want that thing is so important. Distilling yeah. that down and knowing what you really want. And then break it down into small steps. You know, I have so many, my latest book just came out and I have so many people go, oh my God, how do you write a whole book? I don't write a whole book. I write word by word, which becomes a sentence, which becomes a paragraph, which becomes a chapter. You know, you look at this daunting task. We had, we had a show last night. We had a couple people over here and I woke up this morning and looked at all the dishes and all the wine glasses and went, huh, one dish at a time. You know, and mm-hmm. when you just do one dish at a time, suddenly all the dishes are done. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> what, what do you want? Why is, is your want what you truly want? And then what are the steps to actually get you there? And the other thing is, who can you ask for help? So often we are so loath to ask people for help. And one of the activity, one of the exercises I give my coaching clients who want to expand their business is, can you email 25 people today who you know and just say, look, I'm doing this thing. Do you know anybody that needs this thing? It doesn't have to be a 30 paragraph LinkedIn sales pitch that I get all the time. Just say, hey, Uncle Joe, um, I'm starting my coaching practice. Do you know anybody that might be good for this? These are are people who already know you who are going to go to bat for you. Don't be afraid to ask for what you need. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And people want to help. I mean, people want to jump in and and help people out. So there's a couple, couple things right there. No, that, that is so cool. I know um, one of my uh, roommates who was also in my program when I was working on my PhD, 
Her name is Mary. <laughs> Mary is so practical. <laughs> One of the things that uh, I would say, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I have, you know, seven classes. I'm taking three. One of them happens to be statistics. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I have a business uh, working full time, you know, doing all these things. And then she <laughs> look at me and she say, Celeste, how do you eat an elephant? And I'm like, I don't know, Mary. I, I just know I got all this stuff. She's like, one bite at a time. And that that really sums it up. You You don't have to try to do it all. You can just kind of take the little things as they come. But one thing I think that helps me as well, Kathy, is kind of making lists. I'm a list person, you know, and, <laughs> you know, it, I've gotten away from my sticky notes because the room would be covered, but I, I do have my little list with my check boxes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you can be so much more effective mm -hmm. when you really take some quiet time, write down all of the things that you are trying to accomplish. And some of them might be small things, send a letter to so-and-so, like you yep. said, or uh, make sure you call this person and do this. Don't forget to pay the mortgage, whatever it is. You know, all these things have to happen. You know, yep. don't forget your taxes. You know, you kind of April 15th, reminder, reminder, it's, it's right around the corner. So, you know, you know, writing those things down kind of is the next step to, I guess, pushing it into fruition and making it a reality. Um, also, um, sometimes people can really talk themselves out of things. They can really be, I guess, Debbie Downers, if you will, you know, mm -hmm. like, and even the people you surround yourself with yep. can drag you down because they can make you feel like, well, you'll never achieve that goal. What mm -hmm. do you say uh, to, to those people? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, you're absolutely right. The next step in this is then mindset. Uh, and that comes down to self-worth. And every single client I talk to, when I say, what is that saboteur? What is that block? Why is this not happening? It's the self-worth thing. It's imposter syndrome. They've been told their entire lives, maybe their perception, that they don't deserve that. They're not good enough. They're not smart enough. They're not young enough. They're too fat. They're too thin. Their nose is too, you know, we have these voices all the time. And my mm -hmm. next question is, is that you saying that? Or is that someone outside of you saying that? And they go, oh, it's my mother. Okay, well, you're now a 60 year old woman. How can you tell your mother to just shut the hell up? <laughs> you know, it's like, how do you, at, <laughs> in your head, maybe not, maybe not in person. We don't want to, we don't want to upset things. Uh, you know, you don't want to call her. Well, maybe you do. I, maybe that's the most healing thing. I, I mean, why to judge? Uh, you know, I, was, I was working with a little, a little girl. I was doing hypnosis for her for soccer performance. She was like 13 years old and she had a very nasty coach. Mm. A shame for a you know, male coach, 13 year old girl very bad dynamic. He was very aggressive. You did this wrong. And he would yell and he would yell and he would yell. And I said, what does his voice sound like? And she said, oh, it sounds really harsh. And I kind of get nervous and it makes my stomach upset. And I said, can you change his voice to a Mickey Mouse voice when you hear it? And she just started <laughs> laughing. And mm -hmm. I said, so what's going to happen when you hear him say, go, 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 you're going to hear it, go, go, go. And you're going <laughs> to laugh. And so he would be berating them and she'd be playing and smiling and having a good time because she was able to shift that perception of that voice for her. Now, we can't all start when we're 13 years old. It would be so much easier if we all got a coach at 13. Uh, right. But, you know, wow. what is that voice saying and how do you change that voice? How do you shift from that limited mindset into that growth mindset? And sometimes it's as simple as just doing affirmations or, you know, I do something called ego state 
optimization, where we look at those parts of ourselves. We all have a scared little kid. We all have a vulnerable one. We all have an angry part. How can those parts get together? What do those parts need? Which part of you is coming forward? When you make your to-do list, is it your confident, self-assured, go-getter, I'm going to get this done today? Or is it the, oh, I don't really deserve that. And what if that doesn't work? And what if it doesn't work? There's no failure. There's only feedback. You just, you learn from it. You try it again. You know, right. So it's, there's so many different things depending on what the individual's issue is. And this is, this is what I love about coaching and the hypnosis. It's so customized. Um, therapy is awesome. I've done therapy. It can go on. <laughs> Whereas I think sometimes the hypnosis is, you know, a couple sessions and you're done. So it's, uh-huh. it's all customized. What is that block? What is that saboteur that's holding you back? Let's identify that. And let's throw a blanket over it. Right. I, I remember um, that, that kind of reminded me when I was uh, about 20 years ago, I um, decided uh, I, I was thinking about toying with the idea of starting a, a business. And uh, I had a friend of mine who worked at a local bank here, a pretty big bank. <laughs> anyway, I went in and I would always go see him. Um, you know, I was working, working a job, you know, at the time and I would go in there and, and just visit with him. And one day he was so distraught, you know, I was like, well, you know, Hey, what's wrong? You know, you, you're not your usual chipper self, you know, what's going on. And he's like, well, he said, I, I just don't know if I, I'm supposed to be here anymore. You know, like he wasn't really happy in his job. And so I said, well, I was like, what are you looking for? I mean, you, you know, what do you, I mean, what is it that you're looking for outside of here that couldn't, you know, isn't here? I guess that's really the question. What is it that is going to put a smile back on your face and, and make you happy to come into work, et cetera? And so um, he was like, well, you know, I feel like I kind of want to rise up the ladder a little bit. You know, I feel like I'm sort of stuck or stagnant where I am. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right. I said, um, I actually said, well, I said, well, have you prayed about it? You know, it's like, you know how you talk about meditation or whatever. Sometimes we don't take that quiet time to really be a little bit in introspective and think and he goes well I don't really pray and I said well that's okay I said would you like me to pray for you he said yeah would you I said yeah I will what do you want he said well I'd I'd like to be president of you know a bank (laughs) or whatever I said are you sure that's what you want yeah that's what I want (laughs) good question (laughs) are you sure that's what you want sure so I said all right I'll, I'll be praying for you so he called me a couple of weeks later and guess what? <laughs> he was the president of a major bank. Wow. Okay. I have a list of uh. some things you can do for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, prayer changes things. It works. But um, so it's funny how things, uh, you know, I guess what kind of goes around comes around because years, a couple of years later, uh, fast forward a few years out down, down the road and, um, I decided I was going to start this business. So I was sitting there, had a great job, you know, very high profile, et cetera. But I was thinking, how am I going to do this? It's going to take a lot of money mm-hmm. to, you know, start a business. You know, what if I fail? I mean, these voices were all up in my head, you know. And so, I mean, really, I mean, I would sit there and think about it, even while I was at work, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm used to a paycheck. 
you know, I'm used to having insurance, you know, all these things, they're important, right? So my stomach is like in knots. And I was like, oh, I'm at work. Woo. Okay, good. <laughs> you know, bring myself back to reality. Well, this particular day, I was really thinking about it. And I came home and the phone rang. It was a friend of my husband's. And I, you know, I answered the phone and I said, well, he's not here right now. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm fine. I said, but I'm, I'm, I'm having a little, uh, <laughs> a, a, a fear session, you know, <laughs> it's a little fear factor going on over here. I said, I'm thinking about like maybe stepping out and starting a business. And he said, oh, you can do that if that's what you want to do. He said, let me just tell you something. He said, fear Fear is just false evidence appearing as real. And yep. I had to stop and really think about that. Well, the next day I talked to my friend and he was just like the one at the bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, how much money do you need? He said, three, 400,000. I'm like, whoa. I said, no, I don't want that much because yeah. that means I'll have to pay it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, those are things to, con- to be considered, but you know, it's 20 years later and uh, I have not looked back on that one. That's so great. So. And I love it. You're, you're the, the whole, how do you eat an elephant? False evidence appearing real. I say these things all the time. And it's <laughs> so true. And it's like, you know, this, this fear and this negativity. And now in defense of our brain, it is scanning the environment looking for threats. It's right. looking for every garden hose that it can think it's a snake. This is what our brain does. It tries to protect us. And mm-hmm. if all we're focused on, though, is the negative, all we're looking for is the fear. That's all we're going to find. That's all we're mm. going to see. Can I do a quick exercise with your, with your viewers right now? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. It's, it's very fast. Okay. So everybody, look around your room and see everything you can that's red. Memorize everything in the room that's red. I always find new red. Okay, perfect. Okay, red, red, red. Memorize all the red. Now, close your eyes and remember everything you just saw that was blue. <laughs> I know. It's a question. <laughs> I know it's vastly unfair. <laughs> if all you're looking for is the negative, if all you're Ooh, looking for is the ugly, is if all so you're looking for, good. you're not going to see the positive, and that's the mm. problem. And it's it's just a matter of stepping out of that crazy making just for a second, because we can rewire our brain. We can do this neuroplasticity. We have the ability to make new connections. Some people were raised in a very negative household. Some people just shot out of the womb negative and, and anxious, and, and there's no judgment on that. That's just how some people are we can start to shift that. We can actually start to have that growth mindset. There's little steps that you can take so that you can see all the blue instead of all the red. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> you know, it takes, it takes work. It's, it's simple. It's not easy and you can do it. You mm-hmm. can do it. Yeah. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your book? Yeah. Oh, which one? Oh, geez. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the what? Yeah. The latest. <laughs> so the latest one is called say what, how to communicate anything to anyone. And uh, I was doing a talk, uh, a program of that same name, and I have several stress books that go with my stress program. And I did my communication talk and all these people rushed up and went, which book is this one? And I went, ah, drat. So I had to write the book. So it's short, it's funny, it's fun. Um, it just came out. I've, I've got it. I, I pulled one out the other day. It's just it's cute and it's fun. And, you know, it's like 75 pages of just of really practical stuff. There's not, not, there's no, nothing to cut away in there. It's like right to the point. It's, it's funny. It's, I dictate all of my books. So they're very tongue in cheek and kind of smart alecky. And people say it sounds as if they're just sitting there with a friend having a conversation, which is what I aim for. So, right. yeah. Well, the reason I wanted to bring up that particular book is because Right now, uh, with COVID, I feel people are getting a little zoomed out, okay? 
you know, understatement of yep. the year. But, you know, I talked to a, a woman last week and she's like, can we just do a regular old fashioned phone call? I said, how about it? And I mean, it was the best conversation. I felt so comfortable. And I was like, this is so good, you know, to have to always be on and to be on camera. I mean, I come from a television background, so it's like you kind of get used to that. But at the same time, um, communication is so important and how we you know, having come from, you know, an all things communication background, you name it, I've studied it <laughs> and mm-hmm. done it pretty much. Um, you know, how do you get people to, do you, do you do any coaching with the whole online uh, presence? Uh, because I think some, so many people have issues. I've done a little bit of training in that area where, you know, it's like, all right, let's look. Sometimes we ha- we have the folks who have the deer in the headlight look, you know, <laughs> you know, you have um, people who, when they speak, uh, they do not really think about um, the directness of what they're saying to mm-hmm. make sure that they're getting the point across in the I guess, smallest number of words, because obviously, let's face it, when you're doing any type of on-camera thing, your time is important, it's precious, and it's limited, right? So what are some of the things that you, aside from being tongue-in-cheek here, but what are some (laughs) of the things that you like to tell people in terms of, of how they speak to others and get that point across. Yeah, knowing that we can't change anybody else. Uh, if we could, that would be so much easier, right? Everyone else is wrong. We're great communicators. We have yeah. to recognize the communication style of the person we're communicating with. If they are a very direct communicator, bottom line, get to the point. Don't prattle on for 15 minutes about your dog before you get to the point. Get to mm-hmm. the point. If you're communicating with someone who's a little more amiable in their communication style and they want to talk about the dog and they want to talk about the weather, give them a little bit of that. You have to. That's the way you build rapport. I tend to be very direct in my communication. I can't tell you how many times somebody's given me a rambling email and I'll write back, yes, that's fine. <laughs> oh no, I gotta say, so. oh, so happy to hear you're taking care of your pet. We right. do more animals, don't we? Hope you have a great day. I mean, I'm forever backing up and going, right. hope you're doing well. And that, because I have to do that for people. Right. I do that too, backwards. You know, like yeah. there's the, the, the people who have the communication style that they're sort of touchy feely, you know, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They, they, they start off the email. Well, how are you? How are you doing? And I always have to remember that I might be communicating with somebody like that. And yep. so instead of jumping right into the point, Yep. You know, I, I, I make sure to have that line, how, you know, and it, it, you know, I try to be sincere, you know, but right, you sure. have to keep that in mind because sometimes you're just, you know, really trying to hurry up and get something yep. done. That's why I loved our emails this morning. Can you do this? I don't know. Let's do that. No, no, no. It was like two lines because we didn't, we're like, I don't have time to do this. I can't give her my whole backstory. Yeah. And, right. and, and I appreciate Absolutely. that kind of communication. The other thing I teach people is looking at, at you know, going to NLP, neuro linguistic programming. Are you auditory, visual, or kinesthetic? I'm right. a visual kinesthetic learner. I don't want to listen to an audio book. I don't want to talk on the phone. I'm so much happier on Zoom. Uh, you know, my parents used to right. take me to symphonies, snore, take me to a dance performance. You know, I want to be involved in that. So if right. you recognize that someone's a visual communicator, maybe you do want to jump on Zoom. Maybe you do want to go into their office. If they're mm-hmm. auditory, you can call them on the phone. You know, that's fine. Right. Um, mm-hmm. 
and recognizing, you know, I had a client who she was having so much trouble with her boss. He was a very direct communicator. The day he hired her, he said, I don't do questions. Well, how can you go anything? <laughs> how am I going to learn here, right? <laughs> right. How, you know, and then he'd say things like, make that report better. Okay, well, what does that mean? More, you know, do you want puppets? Do you want, what do you want? Um, and so she was really frustrated that she, she was terrified to ask these questions. We determined he's a very direct communicator, as we would assume. And I said, do this. I said, he was a visual also. I said, email him and say, I have three questions that are going to take 10 minutes. When can I come to your office? Mm-hmm. He knew the parameters. He said he knew this wasn't going to go on. And, and then you have to keep it to 10 minutes because the worst thing for a direct communicator is thinking something's five minutes and then it becomes 15 and you're like, I'm out. I don't have time for this. Um, mm-hmm. So honor those boundaries. And here's the other huge thing. If you cannot be present with someone right in this moment, if oh, you and I are supposed to be having a meeting and I'm distracted because the cat just threw up and I got an email that says my grandmother died and, you know, Say, have the respect for yourself and set those boundaries and say, look, you know what? I know we had time scheduled. I just had an emergency. I'm not focused on you right now. Can I have 10 minutes to deal with this? I'll be right back with you. It's okay to do that. And so many people muddle through a meeting or muddle through a communication and they're so distracted and they're, they're not present. Right. It's terrible. Yeah. I have a Presence, friend oh, that most is into always on her phone, like, or her iPad. She usually has two or three devices, a computer and iPad. And the whole time you're talking to her, she's just, yeah, and I'll just so... sit there and I fold my arms and then I just, I just kind of wait. <laughs> All right. When you're, when you, when you're back with us again, okay. You know, right. we can, we can then talk, but you know, I, I, I think when you have someone who's like that, I love that about trying to make sure that you're present in the moment. We, you know, yeah. key point that we have gone over. Um, but when you do have a zillion and one things coming at you and you're still trying to get them all done, what advice would you give as we kind of get ready to wrap up here? What advice would you give to someone who is is trying to be successful, but a lot of, you know, uh, you have different types of managers or people mm-hmm. at upper levels. Um, and some try to maybe do too much, you yep. know, and that's why you have people under you. Yep. You should make sure it's like the rungs in your ladder. Yep. Make sure that they're strong Yep. so that you're not having to do all that. Right. You know, again, but what would you say though, with, with, if you have somebody who has a zillion things, how do you, how do you deal with all that and yeah. still maintain a level of success? Yes. Delegate, delegate, delegate. I, I love having people write down a list of everything they have to do. Okay. They're doing social media. They're booking their appointments. They're doing their accounting. They're cleaning their office. They're doing, what can you give off to somebody else is your highest use of your time cleaning your office and running your own errands, get right. an assistant get an accountant, get a team around you who's going to support you. That is the most important thing. If you hate doing social media, get a VA to do your social media. You know, yes, there's going to be a transition of you training them, but figure out what your the highest use of your time is. When I started out as a massage therapist, I had to turn down clients because I was doing laundry. Eh, fail. I'm not a laundress. <laughs> 
I'm a massage therapist. And so I immediately that day got a laundry service. I'm like, it's not use of my time that I'm standing in my garage doing laundry when I have clients that need me for something. So that was a huge lesson for me. If you Mm -hmm. don't like it, don't do it. Give it to somebody else and prioritize your own time. I'm I'm a post-it note girl. They sit on my laptop. I write down everything I have to do. And Mm -hmm. I look at that list every day and go, okay, I have 10 minutes. Which of these can I do in 10 minutes? Because I'm a start to finish girl. I don't want to do something halfway. So, Uh okay, I need to follow up with those two people. I can do that in 10 minutes. Oh, I need to do that entire lesson plan. I cannot do that in 10 minutes. That's going to take an hour. So if you know the priority, how long it's going to take, then you can set that time aside the way you need to and get more stuff done. It's just, it's about organizing your brain in that way, organizing your time in that way. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I was hearing organization is key. And I think sometimes extremely busy people, if they are not organized, it is so hard for them to complete anything, you know, because something else is always first or coming at them. And so that's one thing that you have to do when you're extremely busy. And I I don't know where I picked that up, but I'd say I've been doing that like 20 years now. Uh, yeah. Systems, systems, systems. You have yeah. to. Yeah. And so that, that is wonderful. Um, as we get ready to uh, log out here, if you will, um, is there anything you'd like to kind of leave people with? Uh, I think you've been a, a wealth of wisdom today and I loved um, just hearing everything uh, from your story in Europe and uh, some of the things that you've you've dealt with in terms of being present with the moment in, in the moment within the moment. Um, what what would you like to leave people with? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to being present because if you're not present, nothing else is gonna go as well. So just stop for a moment today, take a breath, and just have that moment of stillness. Because in that stillness, you can decide to respond. You can decide what your next step is. You can decide what's next on your to-do list. You can decide what you're going to, you know, it, it is it, just like you said, with that prayer of taking that space, take that pause, just be present with yourself for five seconds. And then it expands to 10 seconds. And then suddenly it's 30 seconds. And it's all about taking that pause and then making a decision from there, responding rather than reacting. Right. That definitely allows you to sort of center yourself, really, you know, and and know what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then, like we said, write it down, be organized and then be able to execute. Great advice. Great points today. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And I look forward to corresponding with you in the future and hearing about more great things from you. And that is all the time we have for now. Thank you so much, Kathy. And uh, we will see you in two weeks on the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host again, Dr. Celeste Stein. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day.